everybody. Welcome back to the Living with Power Hope podcast. I'm Lena Abigera. I'm your host. And this is great to be with you. I look forward to this so much. I hope you do too. I hope you've subscribed to the podcast. You can do it at the iTunes page. And uh, if you have any questions for me uh, anytime, you can use Dear Lena at livingwithpower.org. Dear Lena, because we're in the Dear Lena series where I answer questions that you send me about faith, life, culture, and everything in between. My goal every week is to give you biblical truth for everyday life. Uh, this is a podcast that has a biblical worldview. If uh, you're a Christian, then you understand that and are looking for that. And if you're not a Christian, welcome. This is a space where we welcome you and we hope that you get to know more about the love of Jesus for you. We are currently living in a post-Christian world. Uh, it's an era where people no longer base their beliefs on the Bible. And uh, it is an era where, as a Christian, you might find it a little bit challenging to live. Um, nonetheless, uh, we are to shine in this era. In fact, uh, um, very... Uh, many portions of scripture are written in times when culture did not agree or like or chase after God. In fact, I don't know that there's ever been an era where people did, but definitely a new time right now where uh, things that we've taken for granted for decades and maybe even centuries are being questioned and uh, attacked. And so um, if you are struggling in the faith, maybe you're frustrated, discouraged, I hope you find hope here. I hope you uh, find that you're not alone and that uh, God has a plan for you even in this season. So today's question as we get started is this, dear Lena, how do I show respect to a government that holds views that do not align with my biblical worldview? Uh, This is an excellent question and uh, a lot of uh, thoughts probably going on through your head. It's been a very political couple of years in the United States. I think it's always been political, but more so in the last couple of years. I uh, give you a little background about me. I'm a Lebanese American, so I grew up in Lebanon. So trust me when I say I understand the tension between politics and life and politics and religion. And uh, I've learned some things from growing up in a war-torn country that was divided in every way. And watching, and many, by the way, many immigrants are watching what's happening in the United States and the division among uh, the parties and the divisions in the church and the division in ideologies that has happened, that is deepening. Uh, Many immigrants are watching it with sadness and dismay because so many people who have come to this country uh, came for the very reason to avoid what we're seeing happen now. And of course, having lived through much of the tensions in our own lands, I think it's, uh, you know, I've I've met a lot of immigrants who just want to hold up signs and say, watch out, wake up Americans. And so um, it is, it is a heavy season. Uh, And so right now you might be, maybe you have just come out of four years where you were under a government rule that you did not agree with, or maybe you're in this. And by the way, most, this is a largely, my audience tends to be more um, uh, Christian, evangelical, in nature. So I assume that most listeners are that. So maybe you're now entering a season where, um, you know, it's not a hidden fact that most evangelicals have voted to the Republican side in the past. And so without getting too political, I think you might be living now in an era where you kind of look at the leaders now and go, man, none of their views is in line with what I believe. And it's frustrating and and you might um, be afraid. And again, I I think people who have just come out of the last four years might have had those feelings before. So I think we need to have a lot of empathy and and respect and compassion for one another as we discuss these things. And uh, nonetheless, uh, regardless of who's the ruling party, how do we as Christians, lovers of Jesus, peacemakers, show respect to a government that holds a view that does not align with our biblical worldview? Great question. Let me give you three thoughts and try to keep this as concise and as insensitive as possible. Number one, recognize that even ungodly leaders are appointed and used 
by God. To know the God of the Bible is to know the sovereignty of God. God is in control of all things all the time. I, I, I can't overemphasize this, this topic. I, I just is, turned the page in my Bible and to Hebrews chapter 2. There's so many places in the Bible that sort of minds, reminds us of the awesomeness of God and how everything is under his control. Man, you spend time in Isaiah. You go back to Genesis where God created the world. But, but there's a simple verse in Hebrews chapter 2 where he says uh, about Jesus, now in putting everything in subjective in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. Talking, God is talking about Jesus. He put everything in subjection, subjection, if I can say that word, he left nothing outside his control. One of, I mean, there's so much in the Bible that points to the sovereignty and control of God over the world, even over evil. And, and I know this is a tension because you might say, but God, God doesn't like evil. God is good. Why would God allow evil to happen? And, and of course, that's a, another story. And I have a great resource, by, by the way, for you. It's on our app. Uh, it is a four-week basic Christianity. Uh, I'm a believer now what? And it kind of goes over some of the story of that. And so you might want to access that. But bottom line, God is in control even over the evil that's happening. And so whether a leader is godly or ungodly, see, sometimes we tend to think that if, a, if it's a godly leader, and there have been people who have held high office who claim the name of Christ, and, and so you go, man, then, then if, if they're in charge, then, then they're appointed by God, but then maybe there have been bad leaders in the past, and you go, man, they cannot be appointed by God. In fact, you can, might even look very, you know, in some bold ways, like you might look at Nazi Germany and Hitler and go, God couldn't have anything to do with that. And, and and I believe with all of my heart that God hates what happens uh, when, you know, when evil takes over. But I also think that even in Nazi Germany, God was in control of uh, that situation. He was sovereign. He wasn't surprised by the fact that Hitler was in charge. Listen, man, it was Hitler killed God's people. At the end of the day, the people of Israel were God's chosen people in the Old Testament. I mean, I don't want to get into, you know, sort of Old versus New Testament, but still just from a purely pragmatic perspective, you know, surely you might say like, was God like left to come up with a plan? Was he confused about Hitler? No, he was not. And, and God even uses ungodly leaders to accomplish his purposes. And so that should give you great relief and confidence as you think about politics, as you think about uh, rule of man. Uh, the Old Testament, by the way, plenty full of examples of that. I mean, go start in Genesis and going into Exodus. You look at Pharaoh and you look at how uh, the people, how, but, but, I mean, in, in, in Genesis, God used Pharaoh, who was not a believer in God, to promote Joseph. And of course, the people of Israel came into Egypt and grew tremendously. And then right there from into Exodus, you see the opposite, where Pharaoh wouldn't let the people go. And, and he, he constantly was putting roadblocks for the people of Israel who eventually left Egypt. And of course, God predicted that. And he said to Moses, listen, he's going to oppose you, not once, not twice, but a lot of times. And, and so you see that pattern where, and there were other evil leaders that God used. Ahab is one of the most evil kings, on and on and on. I mean, you don't need a history lesson from me, but, but so recognize that even ungodly leaders are appointed and used by God to accomplish his purposes. You don't have to love and admire a leader to submit to God's sovereignty. So you don't even have to think about the leader, just submit to God's sovereignty. If God has allowed a person to become an office, whether you agreed with it or not, you might even be going, but they lost the election, and I don't believe that this was rightly counted. Listen, it is what it is. You are where you are now. And so you, you got to understand that all of these things that have happened in your life and in the culture you're living in, 
And by the way, maybe you're not in the United States and you're listening to this, and maybe you know there's corruption in your country. Here in the U.S., that's been a sort of debatable topic. Was there corruption or not? And, 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 but there are many countries where there is corruption, and, and there are no votes. Like you say, there's a voting and day, and everybody rolls their eyes because they come up with a person who, who wins the election, but nobody ever voted. And so many countries have that problem. And yet, even in that situation... Uh, God is sovereign. So can you submit to God's sovereignty? You don't have to agree with a leader to respect that leader. I think when you think about maybe evil leaders or ungodly leaders or disbelieving leaders who are appointed by God, or, or maybe just leaders that you don't agree with who are appointed by God, um, you don't have to agree with them to respect them. And we'll get more into that in a minute. And you don't have to compromise your integrity to show respect to someone. I think this is a very important point. I think somehow we have this idea that if I show them respect or if I accept that they're the leader now, and I, I want to specifically think now in 2021, there's a big base of conservative Christians, some in my family, who are like, well, he'll never be my president, you know. You know, you don't have to compromise your integrity and your belief to show someone respect. I mean, Jesus himself taught us to love our enemies. So even if you're considering them your enemy, and I'm not saying they're my enemy, I'm just saying, I'm just presenting that, you can still show someone respect and love without compromising your integrity. And so just food for thought. Recognize that even ungodly leaders are indeed appointed and used by God. Here's a big second idea. How do I respect a government that I I don't agree with? Number two, remember to separate people from issues, all right? Um, there's human hearts and there's human positions. While you might disagree with human positions, you've been called to love human souls. I think we as Christians need to lead in that. You don't have to agree with every issue, every position that somebody has. You've been called to love their souls. Remember, people are, at the end of the day, we're separated from God. If you know Christ, you've been reconciled to God. That is a gift of grace. And you, you don't know how God might use your prayers to affect the souls of others and how God might use your testimony in respecting those you might not agree with to impact those around you who are watching how you're responding to something like what's happening in our country. So while you might disagree with human positions, and rightfully so, in fact, I would be shocked if Christians were not disagreeing. I mean, late-term abortions, any abortion for that matter, is one key, one point. Gender equality is another. I mean, there's so many lists are long of things that we might be like, well, I just morally cannot agree with this position. And yet you can, you can disagree with a position but still love a soul. Here's another subthought here. While you might need to attack an ungodly position, you don't have to attack an ungodly person. We confuse the two. We, you know, it's like, it's like kindergarten and elementary school. We think that the only way to really get somebody is to tell them they're ugly and fat and short and whatever it is that we used to, you know, this pejorative that we used to do in elementary school. But it doesn't have to work this way. In fact, you can talk about issues and disagree about issues and even attack ungodly positions. I, frankly, if you're in office and you're and you have run on a platform and people have voted voted you in, I would hope that you're going to be fighting. If you're a Christian and you're listening, maybe God will compel you to run for office. And then you can fight the positions. And so many good decisions have been made in this country because of people who have fought for truth. Think about William Wilberforce back in the day and how he fought against slavery and others who have stood the you know this course of time and changed constitutions and on and on and on. So you don't have to attack a person, even if that person is ungodly. You, you should attack their position. Now, is there a place to call out an ungodly person? Yes, but if it becomes your only thing that you're calling out all the time, I think you lose um, 
I think your, your, your testimony is, is hurt in that situation. And I think you end up talking into a vacuum. And so while you might feel threatened by ungodly positions, again, talking about positions and issues, differenti differentiating the two, while you might feel threatened by ungodly positions, God is not. <laughs> think about that. We're talking about God's sovereignty. We're talking about separating people from issues. I mean, we get so nervous when someone we disagree with takes charge. We're like, we're screwed. And that doesn't have to be a politician. It can be your boss. It can be, maybe you're married to someone. And, and by the way, if it's an abusive marriage, leave. If you can, get help. If you cannot leave, get help. If you can, but, but I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about people who, you know, who um, sometimes you feel threatened by ungodly positions. God is not. And by the way, even if that's you and you're married to someone and you're, 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 there's, there's just something's happening and you feel like you're threatened, God is not threatened. Get strength in that. Find hope in that. And then find someone and leave. <laughs> you know? so, so I say this with all compassion. I mean, we, we, I think, again, here we're talking about politics. We're not talking about marriage. We're not talking about positions with abuse. But, you know, can, can a politician become abusive? I mean, you could talk about cancel culture right now and be like, that's a form of abuse in some ways. I mean, there's certainly some difficult conversations that we're going to need to have. Maybe we'll do Tirolina and talk about some of these things. You know, how, how does, how does this whole concept of, of getting canceled and, and uh, what we're seeing happening in the public place, you know, you can't hardly say anything before you get blocked from certain social media platforms. This censorship that's escalating is a form sort of, a, I suppose you can call it a form of abuse. Um, God is not threatened by that. And we as Christians ought to have such hope in it. And by the way, Go no further than the New Testament. I mean, most of the New Testament was written by Paul during the era of Nero, who was killing Christians and who talked about cancel culture. I mean, he didn't like you, he just killed you and not in a gentle way. So how do I respect a government that I don't align with? Uh, recognize God's sovereignty, remember to separate people from issues, and then thirdly, resolve not to compromise your testimony for the sake of your conviction. All right, you're gonna need to think about this. Let me say it again. Resolve not to compromise your testimony for the sake of your conviction. Both are important. Don't get me wrong. I'm not telling you that, that conviction doesn't matter. On the contrary, here, here, here are some sub thoughts. In order to maintain your testimony, you've got to understand that your character and your convictions are of equal importance. See, it's both and, it's not either or. So, so some people are working right now out of conviction and they're losing their testimony. That's a problem. And, and vice versa, you can, you know, focus so much on your testimony that you miss your conviction on the other side of it. You, you, you put your convictions in a wastebasket and you just focus on looking good to others. No, it's both and. You've got character and conviction and testimony and they work together. Here's another thought. In order to maintain your testimony, you've got to figure out not just what to fight about, but how to fight for it. Not just what to fight about, but how to fight for it. Uh, the what is easy. I mean, there's a lot of issues right now that as a Christian, you go, man, I got to fight this. The question is, how do you do it effectively? And I, I really believe that right now, one of the greatest problems that evangelicals and Christians are facing is that they don't know how to fight in a godly fashion. And the way that we're responding is, is just like we're taking our, our, our cues, our playbook by the world's playbook, and it doesn't work. Uh, so we need to be spending more time in prayer. If you look at the New Testament, again, at the time of the church, you know, Paul was spending time in prison. Pe others, Peter was crucified upside down. I mean, they were suffering. James was killed by uh, Herod. I mean, on and on and on. I mean, you look at, at, at what was happening then. There was certainly a price to be paid for testimony and for conviction. 
But the way that the early church fought it is they got together and they prayed. And on the other side of the coin was a revival and the church growing and miracles happening and the Spirit of God flooding. And I long still to see that. I don't think we've, we're living there yet. I think the church is still scattered and, and fighting and anxious. And if the church could just focus and go back to those things that the early church did to see God move miraculously, I think we would still see revival in our country. And so in order to maintain your testimony, you've got to take every step prayerfully. We've got to get back to the upper room. I uh, love um, the Acts passage in uh, early in the book of Acts. I mean, all through the book of Acts, there's this focus on prayer. But early on, after they were just starting to see people put in prison, and uh, in Acts chapter 4, uh, Peter and, and John had been thrown in prison and then let out of prison, and, and that would become a pattern for them. And then they, it says uh, um, they, they got together and they prayed. And verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Listen, there's something very important here to keep in mind. They continued to speak, listen, the word of God with boldness. Too many of us are spending way too much time speaking everything but the word of God with boldness. If we could just take, go back to the Bible and go back to the truth of our role in this era right now is to speak the word of God with boldness. And we do it as we seek God prayerfully and ask him to revive us again. And so if you uh, showed up to this podcast nervous, anxious, upset, angry about being uh, led by a government that does not hold to your worldview, I hope you see clearly now that that is not a problem. God is in control. Separate people from issues. And remember, testimony and convictions work hand in hand. Hey, I love you guys. I welcome your feedback, your emails, your questions. Dear Lena at livingwithpower.org. Let us pray together that God will bring us into a season of revival. If you long to study the Bible more, I'd love for you to join us on Thursday nights. Go to uh, our Facebook community page. Uh, easiest way to find it is go to our website, livingwithpower.org. Top of the page, blue box says join our community. Click it. Also, you'll get a pop-up uh, that asks for your email. What you get for that is a daily a devotional in your inbox. It comes digitally. And we got so many free stuff for you. Just go to our app, go to the website, check it out. I think you're going to love it. And if it's been your first time listening, I'm happy you came. If you've been here before, either way, just come back each week. We've got a podcast for you. I love you guys. And uh, I say this every week because I mean it. And I hope you have a blessed week. I'll see you again next time.